So beyond just for one, learning to create that space between armor and self and be able to allow yourself to be in the gray, to accept imperfection, that's wonderful work and a great place to start. And then you ask the question of how have I, how has this story that I've held about myself harmed other people? I'm Kim. And I'm Camille. And this is Enneagram for the Culture, where two dope Black therapists discuss how therapy, Blackness, and the Enneagram come together. Yes! Here we are. This is our last episode of our first season. We made it, and we have a special treat for us for our last episode. Um, We've got a guest with us. We do. We do. We do. And I'm just so excited. So um, I'm going to introduce our guest. Her name is Chi-Chi Agoram, and she's a writer, a certified Enneagram teacher, and a practitioner through the narrative tradition. She's um, adjunct faculty with the narrative Enneagram and a former psychotherapist. And her life's work is to support people on their journeys toward wholeness and healing. Her greatest joy is learning how to belong to herself and creating spaces, both physically and with her words, that help others feel less alone and more known. In her new book, The Enneagram for Black Liberation, Chi-Chi reclaims the Enneagram as a powerful tool for Black women to rediscover our wholeness and worth that existed long before systems of supremacy told us we weren't enough. Welcome, Chi-Chi. We're so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. I loved the cadence with which you read that. It was like nice and slow. I had to slow down. It felt nice. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for this. Yes, we're so, so excited to have you. It's so cool just how timing just lined up. Um, you know, we were, we have been eagerly, I'll speak for myself. I know I'm speaking for Camille when it comes to that, but I'll speak yes, for myself, yes. eagerly anticipating this work. Um, I told my mom when we knew that you were going to come on and talk to us about your book. Um, on our podcast and she was so excited about your book and then really really excited that you were going to be on our podcast and I immediately know. went and ordered the book <laughs> and got the book before us so I told you when I emailed you like I had been like checking like every week like just to make sure how did she get it before you so I took a screenshot and sent it to Camille I was like my mom has like got the book in like two days I was joking that I feel like your mom was on the like advanced copy list because it was early too. Like it was like, this isn't even technically out yet. And somehow her mom got it. Wow. I felt some type of way. I did. I was oh, like, you don't want to just let me, but no, I didn't. I forward your copy to me. <laughs> All right. And I waited. So yes, we're really excited. We are very excited, but we're going to start off um, with how we, how we start every episode with how the Enneagram showed up for us. Um, and so Kim, you want to go first? How did it show up for you this week? This week, um, I was really intentional about incorporating like practices of ease this week, which is good for me, hard for me, really, 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 really hard for me, but good for me. So um, I recognized that it was something that I needed to do. I had a self-care day plan this week and it worked out well because Um, there were a lot of things that just kind of came up that day that I needed that I was able to make time for because I just managed to walk out that whole day. So 
Um, it's been nice. I feel like I do. I have more capacity to do more, which I like to do. Um, but it's been helpful to rest and slow down and restore. So that's how it showed up for me this week. I'm proud of you, friend. I'm proud Thank of you. you. Um, I, for me, um, I actually thought of something else, but then Kim was joking with me about something before we started recording. And so I'm going to use this one um, is that this week I was asking Kim what her plans were for the weekend about a certain basketball game. Because and okay, she said, I don't name it. It's not just any. That's a big, that's a big. That's okay. A big, so I'm sorry. 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 Not just any basketball game. <laughs> it's the Duke Carolina game. First Final time in four. History, yes. Huge deal. Yes. Our whole state has like, is basically on shutdown right now about this game. And, um, and I'm I'm here for it. I I do not. The, neither of those are my schools. I'm I'm a Florida Gator, but I love college sports. Um, and so I'm so excited about all the like hype around this. And so I asked Kim, "What are your plans for the game?" And she's she's a Carolina fan, and so this is a different ball game for her because she's very invested. Um, and she said, "I don't have any plans." And I said, "Well, are you going to make plans? What are your plans to make plans? What will you be doing?" Like so, basically, like <laughs> what's your plan to make? plan um going back to how like i'm trying to be like take it easy this week right just trying to just kind of just do just flow and just kind of take things as i need to here she's like what are your plans for your plans are you gonna make plans to make the plans what's the plan for that and i didn't even realize until you just called me out on it about how i was like wait is that a strange thing to do like is that not normal to not make plans to make plans i guess so i guess so you like your plans I love my plans. It's natural for me to just want to make plans, even plans to make plans. Yep. So we do. Planning to be unplanned. We were talking about that. Yep. We were talking about that because she said that she was going to wake up and see where it took her. And I was like, "Mm, if I wake up and see where it takes me, I also have a list of things where it could take me. So I planned options for the free, like the free spirit moment. (laughs) Chi Chi, what about you? How did the Enneagram show up for you this week? Oh, well, I feel like one of the things I noticed this week and not just this week, the last few weeks leading up to, you know, launching a book is me using privacy as a way to protect myself from people's projections or expectations of how I should show up now and who I am or must be because I wrote a book and, um, and have been like, so I, I've, there's a lot of exciting things going on, but I'm, I've been really quiet, mm. you know, like pulled back. Uh, Cause I'm like, I just, I don't want to be seen, but I do want to be seen. It's just, you know, my type is like, but all these people will have expectations of you and then you have to live up to them. And then you have to, you know, make sure that you're maintaining this image and I just don't want to do it. And so I, mm. so I've been noticing that and trying to figure out what like middle ground is for, still engaging, still showing up, but not taking on people's expectations or projections of who I am. That sounds like big work. <laughs> yeah. 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 And good that you're naming it, that you've named it and you're aware of it, but that would be hard. It is. It's, it's well, honestly, it's easier for me to just go to private mode. Like that's actually not hard. I am. I love being mysterious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love disappearing and just, you know, I can't right now. So that would be the easier thing. What feels harder is figuring out the in-between of, okay, I still have to stay present and I still have to show up. How do I do that without 
taking on everyone else's expectations of me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that sounds a lot like it ties into so many of the principles that you do talk about in your book. You know, this um, this notion of intentionally like creating space um, Mm -hmm. so that we can um, observe more and be more aware of maybe some of the patterns that we're slipping into as far as, you know, when we're putting our armor on because we feel like we need to. So um, Mm -hmm. I I guess I'm kind of taking taking the wheel. But yeah, can you can you tell us? Can you tell us, tell us more about your book? Just tell us, or in our audience, just more about your book. Yeah, so my book is called The Enneagram for Black Liberation, Return to Who You Are Beneath the Armor You Carry. And it is a book about the Enneagram, <laughs> uh, but specifically about our Enneagram types as armor that we use to protect ourselves in the world from things that feel like threats, from pain, from suffering. Um, And I write about how our armor is really helpful and can help us navigate and survive, but that when we confuse our identity with these survival strategies that we use, we um, have less access to experiencing freedom, rest, ease, play, pleasure, joy, because Mm -hmm. we are so armored all the time and because we believe that all of who we are. It's just our survival strategies. Mm-hmm. And so I think of the Enneagram as an invitation to come back to who we are beneath the armor, which requires us to create space, um, like Kim was saying, between who I am, the fullness of who I am, and this armor that I have utilized to navigate the world for for my whole life. And I will still continue to use, right? Like it's not, I can't just throw it out. Um, so my work is being able to create that space to say, this is Chi Chi. Chi Chi utilizes this armor, which means I have choice when to use the armor if this the space isn't safe and when to put the armor down when it is. So good. So good. Um, such a gift to us, to the world, like to, but especially to our community to be mm-hmm. able to have this um, as a reference and as a tool to kind of take along with us in this journey, you know, if we choose to um, accept this invitation, but it's just been so needed, this like particular piece of work for us. So, um, and it is really good, like really, really, really good. Yes. Um, One of the questions I have that I always am curious about with people, Chi Chi, is what your Enneagram origin story was or is and how you kind of got into the Enneagram, how it fell into your lap. And I think I remember you talked about it in the in the book about when it first came to you. But if you could share with with us. Yeah, um, I learned about the Enneagram in grad school. Um, I think at the time, the system I was most excited about was the Myers-Briggs felt like, yeah, this makes sense. And then someone introduced the Enneagram to me, but I didn't really trust that it was legitimate. And so I just I just ignored it. Um, But it just felt like the Enneagram was haunting me like. There were so many conversations, and this was before, you know, it had its moment on social media, but I just felt like I kept hearing about this thing. And then um, one of my friends who is a um, Enneagram teacher with the narrative tradition, Annie Diamond, started talking to me about the narrative. And I was, I'm more drawn to like narrative therapy, for example, I'm already naturally thinking about stories and metaphors and the way that we talk about ourselves and all of that. And so learning about 
this, this way of thinking about Enneagram types that didn't feel as constricting. Like this is your box. This is where you live. This is everything about you, but that prioritized like individual stories, storytelling as part of the teaching method was intriguing to me. So I was like, I'm going to do the, the intensive, which is like six days uh, in California. And I went to that, didn't really know what to expect, but it was like in the narrative, things are taught through the use of panels. So you're <laughs> sitting right and listening to these people tell their stories and I I cried every day that I was there (laughs) I wasn't expecting that I felt so like I left that experience feeling so connected to humanity to like the part of myself that can hold compassion for both me but just like Mm -hmm. all these people are strangers but I feel so connected to them after listening to them share nine different ways of feeling like I have to figure out a way to navigate the world that keeps me okay and safe. Um, I was sold after that. I was like, I did, I did the rest of the training with the narrative and um, yeah. I love that. Did you, a question that I had was when I I was reading last night about the, um, when you learned about it in grad school, was it like part of your like schooling or was it just like your grad Okay. Yeah, just my my friends uh, at school. Somebody had heard of it from someone else, and I think someone I went to a um, someone hosted like a little night gathering at, at their house. It was like, oh, someone I know is interested, or or teaches about the enneagram, and that was the very first time I'd gone to anything about it. And I typed myself as a six that night based on his explorations because I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I have anxiety about being safe. And I, you know, all these things were like, <laughs> I thought that that was my primary home base. And now when I think of it through the lens of armor, I'm like, yeah, that's an additional layer of armor I carry. It's not my primary one, but it's just an additional mm-hmm. layer that I carry. But um, yeah, it wasn't part of the curriculum. It was just conversations that kept, I kept finding myself in the middle of. Yes. Um, even when you just said that about the, yeah, I have, I have a, you know, I think about being safe. Um, we just did the, we just dropped the sixth episode, um, last week, a couple weeks ago at this point. And one of the things we talked about was sixes and their anxiety and safety and and wanting to be secure. And we talked about that that is unique about sixes, but then we also talked about that's a very black experience that all of us walk into rooms and into spaces and into rural gas stations and into all these things. And we, and we think, am I safe? Am I secure here? Um, even in some of our trainings and going, I'm sure even going to that that training weekend, you're kind of like, is this safe for me here with these people? Um, and so how that, yeah, you could be labeled as a six because you want to be secure, but it's like, no, that's, that's actually just being black. That's not necessarily my personality piece. And then for you to dig deeper and be like, oh yeah, that's an added layer to my personality, but it's not the typing for me. Yes. I think the six and then the eight, Mm -hmm. um, I, as part of your, your training process, you um, do typing interviews and then you record them and then you are assigned a coach who watches and gives you feedback on some of them. And one of my typing interviews was with a black woman who identifies as a five. And that was what I, you know, um, that was the feedback I gave at the end of it. But my coach, who is a white man, was watching and was so fascinated because he was like, the entire time I was watching this interview, I thought, oh, she's an eight. Um, 
and was very convinced <laughs> that that was mm-hmm. where this, that's what he would have said if he was the one doing the typing. And we had a really good conversation about how often Black women show up like that with that additional layer of armor because we're required to. Yeah. But digging beneath the strong, tough exterior shows this person who really just wants to observe and just does it, but because she's direct in the way that she says it, she's assertive in the way that she says it, the automatic assumption is, oh, that's an eight, you know? And um, I I, I find those things very, I I think those things are really important to talk about in the general conversation about the Enneagram because I have seen so many people be mistyped because of these subconscious stories we have about, um, race and identity and these sorts of things and how they play into our armor. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that was one of the things that we were excited about exploring when we started our podcast was how those things intersect and how it does need to be incorporated into the conversation because it's part of our our identities. And then if we're not talking about those things when we're typing or we're talking about the Enneagram, then we're sort of missing something. Um, And so I was also reading, I loved um, when you talked about that a lot of times the growth for when people are talking about Enneagram stuff, the growth is to be more vulnerable um, and to get to this place of, you know, uh, openness and acceptance and vulnerability. Um, and you just talked about it so, so beautifully. Um, and that I loved the sentence where it says like the ability to willfully conceal vulnerability requires power and power is concentrated in the center. Those who are centered are protected by the system and therefore face less harm by embracing vulnerability. So this recognition that sometimes as, um, not sometimes, but a lot of times it's us that are not at the center, we don't have the privilege of, um, saying, oh yeah, I get to be vulnerable. Um, and that beautiful example, when you talked about like the eights and like, no, I have to show up direct. I have to show up in a certain way and kind of strong because I don't get to just come in and just be open all the time. It might be actually like harmful to me. Um, and so I wanted to know when was, um, when did you first realize that there was, that race was missing from the discussion around race? I mean, no, when race was missing from the session about the Enneagram. <laughs> yeah. Um, from the beginning. Um, <laughs> maybe not from like, I'm thinking about that night at the person's house. Like I wasn't thinking about it at that point. It was just like, oh, an exciting new, you know, tool. But once I started my training, um, I felt. I'll take that answer back. Not during the intensive, but the the courses that followed afterwards. Um, I think the first, my first six days, I was just like, this is amazing. Like, this is, you know, like people are showing up and, and sharing of themselves. And I feel like I have so much more understanding and empathy. And then in the, in the uh, trainings that followed, I was like, hold on. Mm-hmm. How does this work, though, for... I was acutely aware in my the first part of training that I think I was the only black person in that space mm-hmm. for those six days. Mm. Um, so I was aware of that experience. I was aware that my I didn't wasn't naming it armor at the time, but I was aware that I was I was doing the thing I'm doing now, which is being quiet and being private and not mm-hmm. sharing unless you ask me a mm-hmm. question and just observing. 
Um, but then in the, in the conversations and I, as I kept learning, that's when the question for me was, I just feel like this works only for the people in this room, the people yeah. who have access to power and privilege and whose experiences are centered. And I started to question what that actually looks like for me. At the same time, there's lots of, there were lots of conversations about like Brene Brown's work at, around mm-hmm. vulnerability and those sorts mm-hmm. of things. And um, loved that work at the beginning. And then again, I started to question like, how does this, how does this work for people who don't have access to the same kind of protection when they do embrace vulnerability? Um, and w- one of the sentences that was often repeated during my training was, um, I don't want to say it wrong, but I think it was an un, oh, something about an undefended life or an undefended heart as kind of the, the goal for growth. And that's where I kept getting stuck. Uh-huh. Like, but I need my defenses. I need my armor because this isn't necessarily a safe space for me. Many places out in the world are not safe for me. Um, so is it possible? Are you saying that if I don't set my armor down, I am not well, I am not healthy. I'm not going, I'm not healing. Um, and that's, that's what began the conversation. And I was having those conversations with a couple other people as well. And just being curious about what does this mean for us? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That really resonates with me. I feel like I've had so many moments in like working with clients as a therapist. And I, we both like will use the Enneagram and practice with clients um, where we get to this, you know, we get to these conversations about vulnerability um, and staying open. And for especially for my like clients who are black women, there's just there's this kind of like, but wait, <laughs> what about here and here and here? Like all of these um, spaces and experiences that just don't um, doesn't feel like that's okay to do that. Like if I do that, it, it could potentially like be very dangerous um, or hazardous to me. Um, so again, so important for us to be able to have this information in this work to give us the language to help us understand and give us that permission um, to absolutely pick it up and put it on when we feel like we need to. And I love, you know, touching on the fact that there's, there are gifts in that. Um, It served us, right? For however long we've been on this earth, it's worked for us. So don't shame yourself um, or feel guilty for it. Just learn how to learn how to work with it. Yeah, I think being able to like, oh, sorry, Camille. No, go ahead, Chi Chi. I was just gonna say, I think being able to pick up the armor without shame is really important because it also it's an invitation to us to be present and to pay attention. I I need to be present in my body to recognize that my intuition is telling me that this space is not mm-hmm. safe. Mm-hmm. Right. Versus running on autopilot where I think I'm in control, but it's really just my type running me mm-hmm. <laughs> all the time. Right. So I think that's also part of the invitation is that that building that relationship with ourselves and with our bodies to be in the present moment so that I can discern whether or not this is a space where my armor can come down. Because if if I don't have access to that choice, then in the spaces where I could be tended to and cared for and loved and seen and appreciated. I won't know how to put down my armor because I think my armor is me, right? 
I won't know how to put down the anger or the strength and toughness or the whatever else, you know, because I feel like I have to, and that is who I am. But being able to create that space allows me to say, oh, I don't need to be, I get to be soft here. I don't need to be strong. I get to be, I get to relax and play. I don't need to be thinking about what could go wrong in this particular space. Yes. I'm just taking it all in. (laughs) Um, I feel like, yes. And I, I loved in each chapter, you talk about the somatic profile of each number. Um, we tried to weave that into our episodes as well, but so much. And I think you said this in the beginning of the book, how our Western culture, um, America, like we're very much taught to kind of cut off, um, our body sensations and how much wisdom our body has. Um, and so I love how you talk about that for each number. Here's what this might look like for you, what what might feel like for you and how can you be aware of that? Because sometimes we might have a cue from a body place before our head place or even our heart place. Um, and so for you to really talk about like knowing the difference and knowing your cues so that you know, when you can feel safe and relaxed and you can breathe deeply and, um, sit back. And when there are times that you do have to sit up and you do have to lean forward and all of those things, um, that they're helpful in some ways too. So I am still really excited, even though I, I kind of feel like in my head, we've been hanging out together this week because I've managed to like, in like taking time for myself when you've been doing some of your other conversations, I was available. So I hopped on and I've been hanging out there. Right. (laughs) So I've heard you mention, I think it was one in one of your previous conversations, kind of talking about the origin of the, of the Enneagram and how I can't remember what book you mentioned, but as soon as you mentioned it, I went and looked for it and ordered it. So it'll be here Saturday. Um, but, but it talked about how you grabbed it. Yep, that's it. Where did the Enneagram yeah, come from? Where, where in the world or where on earth? earth? Yeah. By um, Fatima Fernandez Chris Lieb. Yeah. Yes, I'll have okay. it tomorrow. But so it so you referenced that and you talk about how so many uh, in communities of color, um, this this tool kind of orig- originated from. How is it that now that like here today, um, it continues to be a space that's so white? So I know we know, you know, we don't have all the answers. We're not supposed to have all of the answers. And some of these questions are not questions for us to answer, but just for the sake of the conversation, in your opinion, why do you think, what are some factors as far as like why that is? Um. (laughs) (laughs) You can say what you need to say. (laughs) My first thought was like, we have to ask whiteness. Right. (laughs) Like you said, this is, you know. I just, I think that there's an element of, um, like a foundational element of white supremacy that is about taking, like co-opting something and then using it for its own benefit, Mm -hmm. you know, which we, we see across centuries, across Mm -hmm. different, you know, it's just like this, this taking, seeing something useful, interesting, whatever. And taking it and yeah. being like, how do I, yeah. how do I monetize this? How yeah. do I make it my own and erase the history that comes with this thing? So I feel like that's just the, that's what happened here. Um, I do think that when it was introduced to the U.S., 
um, you know, it was introduced in, I, I don't, I obviously, <laughs> obviously wasn't there, right. but my assumption just based from what I have learned and like the, the, the founders of the narrative Enneagram were a part of the first groups of people that were introduced to the Enneagram in the U.S., um, in Berkeley, California. And it was a pretty homogenous group, you know? Mm. So I think one of the things that I think it's important to, to name is across the board and especially with Enneagram conversation is that we like to think of tools as neutral or like the way we use tools as neutral. Yeah. So I, a lot of conversations about the Enneagram in white spaces are talked about like, this is just a neutral understanding of how type structures work without the recognition that they are using their own lens of whiteness to interpret the tool. Wow. Right. So or to talk about the tool or to use it. And so I think that that's what I noticed in my, in my trainings as well, is that this is talked about, like, this is true for everybody. This is just like a neutral, you know, it's like, right. you know, you are, you are talking about this through your understanding uh, given to you by whiteness, but because you, you have the privilege of not having to think about that, you, you get to think of yourself as just neutral, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yes. As opposed to recognizing that this is being filtered through your lens of whiteness, um, which means the rest of us have to interpret for our own experiences. We have to translate for our own experiences. And so I think that's important to, to note because it's not actually, these conversations are not actually neutral. Mm-hmm. They're not outside of the systems that we exist in. Mm-hmm. In the same way, I write about this in the book, in the same way that we live in a capitalist system where everything is turned into a commodity that has value that you sell and whatever. Very quickly, the Enneagram became that. Mm-hmm. I remember, I mean, I've been <laughs> annoyed about this for years and vocal about it. And so I remember when the first Enneagram, I think it was like a party game, like a like a yes, yes, card yes. game came out. I had so many of my friends send it to me, <laughs> like, have you seen this? I was like, I will not, I just I'm not even gonna participate. It's I'm like, gang. of course, it's white men, whatever. Yeah. But but just seeing the way like our the environment that yeah. we're in infiltrates these conversations, even though we like to think we're separate from, we're not, you know, we're not a part of. It's like these things show up in the way we yeah. talk about. The Enneagram and the way we use it in what we think the goal of it is, whether it's just to become a better version of yourself or to know what kind of home decor to go with, mm. you know? So. Yes. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we love um, just what you said about the, through their own lens, right. Through whiteness's lens. And that's kind of where we really started to hit like a roadblock was that numbers were being described through a white lens. And it was like, wait a minute, you're not talking about these other things that are going on. And um, yes, because it was, because unfortunately a lot of the times the teachers were white. And so there's just a limitation to that. And then a blinders to that and not a seeking out of other ways. Um, All of what you're saying, just, we, you know, we're both therapists and um, we, you know, sometimes have to with not a lot. Sometimes we have to go to trainings and we're learning about things. And even we talk a lot about like a lot of the body-based therapies, like a lot of times they're actually rooted um, from people of color, but then the organizations that do the th- trainings are now all white. Um, and then how that gets filtered through a lens of whiteness, but then also gets this, these steps 
Um, so it's like step one, talk to the client about this. Step two, stop. and and it it becomes that very like um, white supremacy way of like let's break it down into steps. Um, and I think that sometimes even with the enneagram, it could become the step thing um, as opposed to I love in your book, you're st- you're like let's do journal prompts. Let's look at like the collective part about this, the community work about this. Let's not just focus on internal stuff, but let's look at how this shows up in the world and the people that you're relating to. And I think that that doesn't happen sometimes when it's a, a not a clear, like not a clear, when it doesn't happen when it's only taught by white people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or like a linear, like to your yes. point of step one, step two, step three, so that you have measurable and achievable goals, you know, to yeah. fit into uh, the system that we live in. Yeah. 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 Hey, so a part of our hope is to really connect with you guys. So we want to know what you're getting from this and what you want to learn more about on this podcast. You can connect with Camille on Instagram at Camille.Logan.LCMHC. And you can find Kim on Instagram at KReeseLCSW. And you can follow us both on Instagram at Enneagram for the Culture. We've dropped the links in the show notes, so check those out too. And while you're there, go ahead and bless us with a rating and a review. Subscribe so you can be notified when our new episodes drop weekly. And share this with someone you know. We'll see you around. You... I don't, again, I don't remember if this is what I read or if what I've heard at this point. And this is not one of the questions we asked. So I don't know if it's, I'm going to ask it anyway. You have a few times referenced like countries and types. Like, um, so countries having like a, the energy or mentality of, mm-hmm. of certain types. Where can you just share more? Like, where do you, is that just your own genius or is that? No, no, it's not. Um, the, like the, I learned that through the narrative, okay. um, just because okay. it was like referenced a lot. Like the U.S. is thought of as a three culture. Yeah. We have this collective story that you have to be seen as successful and competent and capable in order to have any value. Which hello capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then there are other. That's the primary one because this is where all the trainings have been done. But it caused me because that was referenced a lot in my trainings with the narrative. It caused me to think about other, yeah, you know, like like sure. Overall, three culture. I feel like that's very true. But what about the subcultures? Because we also think about like family cultures, um, and more often that conversation was around um, like the instincts, like a self preservation mm-hmm. primary instinct in a family versus social versus sexual. Um, but there's like family of origin cultures, then there's like your, your, um, uh, ethnic group. Then there is like, so there's all these layers that impact the way our type shows up, which I think often you're not, you know, I will say on the record, you're not supposed to type other people. It's it's an inside job. Don't tell people who they are. Sometimes I break that rule because I think it's funny to ask people or fun to ask people when they don't know what type I identify with. Usually when I'm like um, having a conversation with somebody about a training that they want me to come do, or like in some sort of teaching capacity uh-huh. and they ask me what, what type I identify with. And I just think it's fun to be like, what do you, what are your guesses? I'll uh-huh. tell you, I'll tell you what it is, but I'm just curious. Nobody ever guesses my accurate. <laughs> um, and I think that that's for many reasons. I think because the, the numbers they'll say eight, 
I'm a black woman. Right. I'm a black woman having a conversation with you about being in charge of a training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So automatically assumption, I'm an eight, a three or a one. Mm-hmm. None of which are my <laughs> primary types. Um, and my training track Oh yeah. And so just thinking about the ways that the, like I grew up in eight culture in Lagos, Nigeria. It is not hard for me to access that type of armor if I need it. It's not comfortable because it's not my primary, Yeah, but I can access that because I lived in a, I grew up in a culture that said you have to be, you have to show that you have power. Otherwise you'll be overpowered. So you have to be tough. You have to be strong. You can't show any sign of weakness. I had the most tender heart as a child, but nobody would have ever known Mm. at school because I was, don't mess with me. I will destroy you. I had to have that, (laughs) have that, you know, armor to survive. Um, but it's not my, my primary, um, I think of black culture within the United States as seven culture, which I write about in the book, which I've had interesting conversations with some of my Enneagram teacher friends think six, some think, uh, eight. And I really feel like if it was eight, we would have burned this down by now, but um, (laughs) (laughs) but I think of seven, just, just because of the, like the first inclination when something difficult Mm. happens is humor, is lightness, is the memes. It's, you know, it's just like, let's, Uh let's find, and then it's a lot of the rationalizing of like, well, at least, you know, at least it's not as bad as at least this, you know, it could be worse. And like those, those collective coping mechanisms that help us survive, which are helpful, but don't necessarily support our full thriving because we know that, you know, the grief is still there just because we're not you know, talking about it or processing it doesn't mean it goes away. The pain is still there, but it can feel overwhelming. It can feel like I will drown if I pay attention to every piece of news, right? So I have to have ways to get away from that. So then it's a question of the and, like, how do I utilize this helpful armor to say, I really just need to laugh right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I just need music. I just need fun. And I also need practices to come back to my body, come back to where I'm holding grief, come back to where I'm holding pain so I can process and metabolize and not carry that as extra weight with me. Right. Uh, that's like coming out sideways because I'm not dealing with it. So cool. So cool. Um, I think, I think about too, even breaking it down even further probably is then gender. So like, what's the number yes. for black men and what's the number for black women? Like, And what does that look like? Because we talk a lot about with our black men, right. Who are maybe fours and fives and twos. Like that's not necessarily the like predominant culture of, um, or the messages that they receive. And so what would be for black men and versus black women? That's interesting. And it's not celebrated. Like, you know, those, those experiences are not celebrated because you're supposed to be a certain kind of way. Um, so Yeah, I know in general, women can mistype as twos because we're socialized to believe that we have to be the caretakers, we have to be the nurturers, take care of everybody else, don't really think about yourself. Um, And then the the power of the eight can feel very masculine. Mm -hmm. I, um, one of my friends, Jessica Dixon, who's an Enneagram Mm -hmm. coach as well, Mm -hmm. talks about how she mistyped herself as a two because she was in um, the church environment for so long and was socialized to, to think, no, this is the right way. This is the way a woman should be. Um, because the, the power and the loudness of the intensity of an eight 
are bad right. for a woman and especially a black woman. Um, Cause now you're an angry black woman. And so, you know, socialized away from those things, but, but, but we see those like powerful attributes as more acceptable for men mm-hmm. than we do for women. Um, and even some of the threeness of like the desire for success and for mm-hmm. um, recognition and all of that we put in the male category as well, because women should be humble and, you know, don't ask for too much and, you know, shrink and (laughs) yeah. Well, I think we kind of answered this question was what does the white Enneagram community miss? And we talked about the collectiveness, the body work, the, other experiences, not centering yourself. Um, yeah. yeah. I have one more thing Yes, that they, that they miss. Um, how this work is collective. Yeah. So how they impact, mm-hmm. how their Enneagram types and their own Enneagram armor impacts the ability or the co-created sense of safety. Yes. Right. Um, because again, we, we exist in this individualistic society. It's so easy to be like, this is just about me. It's learning about how to be a better uh, yeah. version of my type. It's about me, whatever. But especially because they have access to their center, they have access to more power and privilege. They often are the ones with the power to make laws and yeah. rules and um, requirements based on their singular story of how the world should be, mm-hmm. which then creates a less safe environment mm-hmm. for the people who hold marginalized identities and require us to keep our armor up mm-hmm. more frequently, right? Yes. So I think moving the conversation from just me, 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 it's about learning how to, learning about myself so I can be a better version of myself for me. Also, it should also include um, what do you need to do as a person who is centered to recognize the ways in which your armor might make it less safe for somebody else to be able to put down their armor? How, how does the combination of power plus armor turn it into a weapon? Mm. And then what is your work mm. yes. within that mm. instead yes. of just putting the burden on me to learn how to put down my armor, mm-hmm. right? Um. Yeah. Tell him. Tell him. Why are you shaking your head? Tell him. Yes. Yes. Because it's so. It. it that's. Oh, uh, we do that so naturally. Like I remember Kim in one of our interviews or somewhere you were saying part of the reason why I wanted to start this podcast is because I want to help. My people, like it's natural for you to say, this is why I'm doing it. I'm going to use my threeness to change the game. Right. And I think I was in an interview yesterday and she was talking about how does your sevenness, I'm like, my sevenness is how I change the game. Like that's me adding joy is because I want the world to be a better place. Like, and the fact that that doesn't come easy for our white friends and brother, you know, friends is that they just sit here and they go me, me, me without thinking wait, no, how can you use your number, yourself, your identity to change the game for others? You actually have more power 
then us, unfortunately, we have our own power, but you have power. And it's, it's unfortunate. And I feel like I remember, you know, June, 2020, right. And I remember there was like an Enneagram post about how to use your number for anti-racist work. Um, And I was like, well, that's cute. That's good. But then like, we didn't see it anymore. Right. And it's like, keep, keep going, like, keep going with that. Like, don't just say, well, I'm a this number, so I don't need to have that conversation. It's like, no, like, how do you take down your armor and your defensiveness to be able to create change and change the game in this world? And how does your armor support white supremacy? Mm-hmm. 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 You know, mm-hmm. I, one of the easiest examples for me to access is thinking about the type one armor where it's very binary. There's it has to be good and bad, right, wrong. And I have to be good. I have to be right. If somebody who is centered with access to power and privilege gets to decide what is good versus bad, and then uses that power to hold everybody else to that same standard of what they believe is good and, you know, try to get rid of what they believe is bad. Who is that harming? Right. Everybody that they have deemed is bad. Because they're holding the entire world to their singular story of what is good and what is bad, right? So beyond just, for one, learning to create that space between armor and self and be able to allow yourself to be in the gray, to accept imperfection, that's wonderful work and a great place to start. And then you ask the question of how have I, how has this story that I've held about myself harmed other people? Yeah. 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 It's true. It's true. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Um, okay. So how do we, how do we, how can black folks exchange, engage with the Enneagram in a way that is, that fits us? Um, so what are some, um, yeah, just speaking to, again, like if you first, for most of us first learning about the Enneagram, we, we, <laughs> Unless maybe, you know, you found out through this podcast or somebody told you to read T.G.'s book. Um, you you come into the this space and there are not a lot of teachers or it's not a lot of representation. So taking that into consideration, just what are some, let's speak to, to ways that we can engage with this um, tool, this system in ways that are fitting for us, good for us, helpful for us. Yeah, I think I, I really like using, you know, the language of survival strategies, because I feel like we can, you know, everyone can kind of picture what their survival strategy is. And almost, I don't know if this is actually true for everyone, um, but to me, it creates, it allows me to have a little bit more space when I think of, if someone asks me, what are your survival strategies? How do you survive like being a black woman in America Mm -hmm. today? I can think of things, right? Um, But then if if then I said, if if the person asked me, are all of those things like the fullness of who you are? Mm. I might have a little bit more space to go, well, no, I mean, I have to do those things because mm-hmm. this is the world that we live in because I want to survive. But yeah, would I love to live in a world where you don't have to tell a little kid how to be prepared mm-hmm. to encounter a police officer? Yeah, I would love to live in that world. And so then the question becomes, well, who would you be if you didn't have to be carrying the survival strategies with you all the time? 
who would you be free to be if you didn't have to carry the fight with you all the time? Who are you outside of the struggle? We, we know that we're living in the struggle, so it's not to discount that, but who are we outside of it? We deserve access to connect and reconnect with those places within ourselves. And I think that, you know, there's so many people who are being vocal these days about how exhausted they are with just all the carrying all the things that we're supposed to show up in the world, especially black women wanting to just rest, wanting softness, wanting ease. And I think that this conversation is important because there are barriers to that. Like the armor can be helpful, but can also be a barrier to accessing rest and ease. Because if I think of myself only as these survival strategies, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to, I don't know how to answer that question of who am I outside of the survival strategies? Who am I outside of? I I had uh, a session with my therapist this morning and she's reading my book. And uh, that was the line that she read to me. And she was like, I'm still trying to answer that question. I don't know who I am. Chi-Chi, I want to I pause. I, at the end of your book, you thank your therapist. And I like teared up and I was like, I was like, any of my clients out there, if you'd like to write a book and thank me. <laughs> I don't think she's gotten to the end yet because <laughs> she's like, she's still in the middle of the book. And I was like, oh, you haven't read the acknowledgements yet. You're in there. You'll see it eventually. <laughs> she is going to, she, it's going to be the, her life's work. I mean, the way that you t- talk so so shout out to my shout out to all of our therapists like the way that you talk about her as like your unicorn (laughs) is my unicorn because I spent so long like trying to find a therapist that looked like me you know and and I had more stipulations even beyond I wanted a black woman and she fit all of them and I was like where'd you come from (laughs) you are my unicorn Yeah. Um, yeah but yeah that question of who are we outside of the fight, the struggle, the armor, I think is what I would love to, I'm not, I'm not the first person asking this question, so I'm not introducing it, but that's what I hope this book can bring uh, communally is us being able to pause and go, oh, right. Like if, if I am not just the survival strategy, if I'm not just the fight or the struggle, who would I be free to be? And then what are the practices that help me return to that um that self because she's not gone she's just weary and and buried underneath all of these extra layers of armor that i navigate the world with yeah Yeah, I just want to repeat that question of, yeah, who would I be without the struggle? And then what practices help me to like maintain that, discover that, foster it? I love that. Oh, Chi-Chi, when, where can people find you? What, like, how can we hear more about you? How can other than obviously buying the book, the Enneagram for Black Liberation, um, but how else can people connect with you? Um. The great, I mean, my website is chichiogoram.com. You can uh, find the most up-to-date information there and then connect on IG at the Enneagram for Black Liberation. Um, I am still trying to decide what's next in terms of, you know, the book is out there also. Please buy the book. It's available everywhere books are sold. Um, 
And for those who prefer to listen, the audiobook will be out April 12th. Yay. I narrated it. Yes. That was really yes. fun to do. Um, and then I am hoping to offer, I'm planning to offer, I gotta, I gotta move it into the plan. I'm planning to offer a 12 week cohort for black women. Um, I'm only keeping it to 12 people at a time because I want it to feel intimate. I want it to feel like, you know, we are, um, so really the, 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 it's called at ease and Mm -hmm. the premise is just creating a space for black women to practice what it looks like to explore these questions in community. Mm -hmm. What is our armor? How do we identify and name it? Who are we outside of the armor? And then to have a space for like the difficult emotions that can come up when we start practicing trying to put down the armor, the the grief or the anger or the shame or the fear that can arise um, when you start to ask that question. And maybe the first answer is, I don't know who I am and shouldn't I know who I am was the armor. So what do you mean? So having a space that is safe to process that in community. um, And I'm very excited about that. I, one of the, one of my telltale body signs, when I know that I, when I feel connected um, to like the ground of reality is my legs tingle and they're tingling right now. So taking that as a sign <laughs> that this is what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, so that I'm hoping to launch in the next, uh, in May, and um, it is not yet live on my website. I don't know when this episode will be live. So it might be live by the time you release it. Um, if it is not, you can email me at hello at chichiagoram.com to tell me that you want to be placed on the list. Um, if not, that is where the, the information for that will be. That's what I feel most excited about offering. Um, I will be teaching with the Narrative Enneagram, the, for, the intensive, so like part one, for anyone who is curious about the Enneagram and wants to do a deep dive. Yes. I'm teaching um, the course that starts in the middle of June and runs through July at six weeks. Um, so that information, it can be found at narrative Enneagram.org. But yeah, those are, those are a few ways to connect. Just a few, just a few. Just We're going to make sure we put all of those in our show notes so that people can see those few. So exciting. I've heard you mention the group a few times. Like, like I said, we've been hanging out all week. So we've been talking. Mm-hmm. So I was going to wait until today to tell you in person. I can also email you, but I want to tell you in person. I want on the put me on the list. Yeah. You know, so yeah. exciting. I'm worried when you said 12. I was like, hold up. I better, I, I mean, there's two of us here. There, I mean, this is just good. So I think two weeks ago, I was like, I don't know. Is this really something that I I was just thinking about whether or yeah. not it was the right time and, yeah. and whether there was really interest in it. So yeah. that's why I started naming it this week to just see if anyone was interested and i probably have gotten like seven or eight people already oh no see now look i'm ready at 10 (laughs) 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 but i you know i'm i would love to offer like more yeah 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 i just i just don't want it to i want people to feel connected in a way that gets lost when we have larger and you can just like kind of fade into the background because that's what I would do. Yeah. Um, and so I, I wanted to, yeah, to feel like that. Totally get that and love that and appreciate that. I think when I was first learning about you, 
in the way you frame like what you the work that you do. I mean, just clearly very passionate about um, creating and holding space. And so totally honored that needs to look however you determine that needs to look for you to flourish and do your thing. So that's just excited. Just really, really, really exciting stuff. Thank you. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for what it will become too. I'm hoping that in the future there can be like in-person, you know, treats or things like that, where I can pull in some of my other um, Enneagram teachers and friends who are Mm -hmm. Black women and we can you know, practice embodiment together for a few days and and rest and ease. And I feel excited when I think about the possibility of those things. So I'm like, all right, this is the right path. I'm using joy as the as the guiding light as opposed to my armor. Yeah. It's contagious too. Yes. It really is. I mean, you know, as we're talking about it, like I've said all time and time again, like your book, like it's 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 contagious. So um, just speaking to, yeah, you taking that risk and having that courage to show up and um, offer your gifts to the world. We we need it and we appreciate it and we see you and we receive it. So thank you so much for, thank for being you here so much for everything. Yes. And so you guys can, we'll check, we'll drop everything in the show notes so you can connect with her. We know that you guys have probably been just as, blessed by this conversation just as we have um and her her just your words and your kindness and the way that you put things together so um thank you so much for joining us and having me yeah everybody else thanks for listening into this season yeah what a way to end this season congratulations thank you we did it we We did did it season one (laughs) thank you so much celebrate after this yes she 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 made plans for us to make plans for that weeks ago so perfect (laughs) good work camille (laughs) thank you again so much chi chi for being here with us and we look forward to staying connected with you all right thank you bye guys